from Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah. I'm Kim Anderson. And I'm Zach Ireland. And this is Behind Closed Doors. So I have the leaders, the faces of USGA, if you will, in the studio. If you're part of the LGBT community and go to BYU, you probably will recognize these names. And if you don't, then I strongly recommend that you get to know these people. They lead the group USGA, which stands for Understanding Same Gender Attraction. JD, Addison, and Lyman, guys, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having us. Now this episode is going to be a lot in one. We're going to get to the bottom of... I feel like what a lot of straight people or even some LGBT people are confused about or, you know, ignorant about. Because it's true that sexuality, gender identity, it's confusing for a lot of people. But before all that, first, just tell me what USG is, what you guys do, and why it's really so important. Thank you for inviting us and giving us the opportunity. So USG, like you said, stands for Understanding Same Gender Attraction. It's an organization to save and improve the lives of LGBTQ students here at BYU and, and same-sex attracted students. But we provide education and support and a space for people to come together and that's neutral, that's we're not going to tell people you need to do this, you need to do that, other than keeping the honor code while you're at our events. But it's a place for people to learn about themselves and ask other people questions and provide a place where they can grow as an individual. So besides USGA, what other support groups... Or I guess. <laughs> what other options do LGBT people have for support around Provo? Not a lot. <laughs> um, at, at BYU, there aren't any publicly advertised resources for LGBT students. There are now mm-hmm. two therapy groups that meet in the Counseling Center. The wait list, as far as I know right now, is uh, four times larger than the capacity of the groups. Um, wow. Which is, a, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's just the people who have officially put their name down or told their counselor they'd like to be a part of it. So you guys are the guys to go to. We are the ones to go to. There, right. there are other um, resources here in Provo, and Circle just opened up. If you're a UVU student, there's Spectrum, there's Provo Pride. There, there's things happening here in Utah County, but USGA is the only resource specifically catering to. BYU students. Now let's just get to the fun stuff. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question or simply just make a comment. First, just answer the question or just give your initial response to the comment and then just address whether it's a damaging stereotype and why. Some people are going to listen to listen to this and will either relate to these comments or say, you know, like I've had that question before. So I guess this is your opportunity to laugh, but to also really address some stupid stuff that people say. Wow, I never would have guessed you were gay. You don't seem gay. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) I've never heard that. I've never heard that. (laughs) Never once in my life. and I are the more obvious. Um, Uh, Have you heard that? I actually have been told that by gay people and straight people alike. Uh Um, I will acknowledge that there's a part of me that's a little flattered, but I also recognize that that's like coming from a place of some amount of like uh, heteronormativity and internalized homophobia. There's a aspect of passing as straight in the gay community that is seen, usually seen positively. But I would hope that it doesn't matter. And you shouldn't be able to, you know, say, oh, your sexuality is based off of your mannerisms. Right. Um, so I think most people mean that well when they say it. But for somebody who has spent most of their adolescence trying to hide desperately who they are, especially people who are, are maybe more gender nonconforming. They're more flamboyant as a boy or they're more 
macho, I don't know, as, as a girl, that can be so damaging because they're like, I just spent, you know, all my energy into seeming like a dude or seeming like a girl. And you're just saying, well, JK, we told, we knew the whole time. Right. That can be really painful for somebody who's put effort into hiding who they were. You guys should meet my other gay friend. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, in Provo, I probably already have. <laughs> and I hate to like encourage the stereotype of, oh, you're gay, so you must know every other person who is gay. Because anywhere else in the world, that's not true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, if someone is out in Provo, there is a good chance that I have met them or have at least heard their name. Mm. My response mm-hmm. is it should be the opposite, like bring them to us <laughs> because <laughs> if I know who they are but they're not coming to USJ or they don't right. have LGBT or help SSA them. friends, yeah, we're here to help. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, bring them to me. But in general, you guys don't just associate with gay people is mm. what <laughs> – you have straight friends. Yeah. Right? I mean, oh, like, yeah. gay people oh, have yeah. straight friends. Yes, totally. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I have one, so I'm not heterophobic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay. On to the next. Are you sure? <laughs> like, how do you know if you don't like it if you haven't tried it? Oh. I have a rant about this one because I, I hate the idea of your sexuality is defined by who you frankly have sex with or who you have experimented mm-hmm. with or anything like that because that diminishes and reduces sexuality to something that is only sex, whereas there is a huge romantic and emotional, yes, there's a physical, but you know it is multifaceted. And it's not something so simplistic as, well, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. are you, you knew you were straight uh, before like, you, you wanted sure? to make out with someone. Right, right, right. Like, do you need to try? Like, do straight people, like, do you need to know? They do. Yeah. yeah. Or the idea <laughs> that do. people are gay because they don't have the option of being straight. I think that sort of creates this this impression that being straight is superior to being queer, and that the only reason someone would be gay is because they have no choice right. to be the good the good uh, sexuality. And for me, it's like I could see myself potentially being with with a man. I've found men in my life that I find attractive, but that doesn't diminish the fact that predominantly. I'm attracted to women and, you know, when I when I picture sort of my future or, you know, those those weddings or like walking hand in hand in hand with someone down the street, a picture a woman. That's what feels right. Uh, feels right. So to you me. don't feel like you need to experiment with men to figure that out. Yeah, I don't feel like I need to. And honestly, this this idea that I should try and force myself to be with men and that my only option is to be with a man makes me feel because I've, I've done that before. I've. I've actually tried dating guys, and the biggest problem I've had is feeling violated because I feel like I have to force myself to continue with a physical and emotional intimacy that doesn't feel right. And that's uh, that, that was something that made trying to be with men very, very damaging. I'm going to add something onto that is because usually what follows is if someone says, are you sure, and you say, yes, and if you have you know, some evidence of saying, you know, I've dated – in my uh, in my case, like, you know, I've dated a few girls and it just isn't satisfying in the same way. <laughs> Most of the time, the response is inevitably, well, maybe you just haven't found the right one. one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was another one of my questions. Oh, was it? oh well, <laughs> you yeah. answered it. Why are all the hot ones gay? 
Uh, it's true. It's true. It is true. <laughs> I wish people could see my deadpan true. face because I'm doing a good one right now. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I I watched Seinfeld and Elaine. She's like, I can I can turn them, and it's it's <laughs> all, it's just it's just it's just all it is is sex and shopping. It's great. <laughs> I would actually posit the opposite. Well, so as a gay man, I've noticed like the opposite, which is like because ninety five or whatever percent of men are heterosexual. Like, there's a lot of attractive heterosexual men, and you see them. I saw one on the front runner just now, and I was like, dang it, he is with his girlfriend. <laughs> so we have wor- much worse odds than you do straight people so Mm -hmm. suck it up suck it up also confirmation bias (laughs) totally a thing also that Mm -hmm. i'll also point out that this is a stereotype that's always attracted to men or attached Mm, to men yes for women it's but you're too pretty to be gay or um, right or the or like there aren't pretty lesbians Mm -hmm. unless they are bisexual yes Um, I've actually been told you're not hot enough to be bi. (laughs) What? (laughs) Which is great. There is this weird thing where it's like the idea that that queer people are sort of designed to be attractive to heterosexual people and that we should be like judged on that matrix, Mm. which I'm like, I, I apologize if in your heart of hearts you honestly believe that you could like convert Matt Bomer and you'd be happy together despite the fact that you're 13 and he's like in his 30s but honestly even if he were straight that doesn't necessarily mean that he would automatically be with you like right. it's just a strange thing to say so who is the man in the relationship and how does that work I am always Addison's the man as LGBT students at BYU we're not currently allowed to date right so. but just like in a okay so like yeah this is hypothetically will be non-incriminating guys but just like in a gay relationship in general people always wonder like you know uh, society has painted the man you know to pay for the date uh, you know hold open the door you uh-huh. know what i mean so yeah. like who takes that role I think that all of that comes from gender norms that are specific to cultures and societies that I don't think are inherent. Like men are not genetically predisposed to being better at opening doors <laughs> or taking out their credit card, right? Like, mm-hmm. like that's just something yeah, that, and that I, Western and I feel, culture has developed. I feel like gay people, they <clears throat> like their whole point is to break those gender norms. You know right. what I mean? I think like, by, just by default, it's like they don't... I've actually seen... I haven't like read the whole study, but I've seen uh, excerpts and stuff from studies where they talk about because... Um, because those gender norms just don't fit because there's two dudes or two women in a relationship that LGBT couples or gay and lesbian couples who are married um, often have better satisfaction at home or division of labor and stuff where like sometimes straight couples will will struggle with the woman feels pigeonholed in doing her household duties and the man feels pigeonholed in going to work and providing and not being home enough where a gay couple or a lesbian couple like they don't have those restrictions on them to begin with. And so mm-hmm. they're able to mm-hmm. kind of figure out what's just best for them as individuals instead of um, fitting into the like, you're Barbie and you're Ken and you can only do these things. Right. Mm-hmm. Does that mean you don't want kids? <laughs> Ooh, us, <laughs> okay. us gay people? Okay, so I feel like in the world in general, it's pretty widely accepted that gay people can have kids. But I feel like an Outside LDS community, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. if you tell someone you're gay, they're just like, oh, okay, well, does that mean you're not going to have kids? 
No. I'm so baby hungry. <laughs> I, I actually feel like most gay guys that I have known are like more baby hungry than straight mm-hmm. guys that I've known. Just here at BYU and in like YSA wards and stuff. It's like, well, babies. <laughs> right, right, right. And I've that myself. Yeah, a conversation I frequently have with my friends is, I can't wait to be a dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's also like, there's a lot of stereotypes and things that work into that like people going if everyone were gay then like the human race would die out because no one would have children and I'm like okay first of all why is it that straight people seem to think that like if being gay is an option everyone would be gay like being straight's an option and I don't want to do it so like I don't get why they think that being gay is such an attractive thing right. if we allow right, right. for it um, yeah even if everyone were gay I'm like I, I can physically have children. Like, it's a right. possibility. Right. Um, so I guess that's your kind of response it's, to yeah. people who think homosexuality is kind of a threat to the family. Yeah. I th- well, so the other thing I think JD. is, like, <laughs> we're going to let JD stew in his rage for yep. a second while I finish this comment. So there are lots of straight people who are infertile or have fertility problems, can't have kids, blah, blah, blah. I view homosexuality or like me being gay as like this, like a same thing, right? It's just like, mm-hmm. a, yeah, I can't have, uh, if I were to like marry or pursue a relationship with a dude, I will physically be incapable of, of uh, creating children with them. Right but, now. But so can, right, right now right, in the right. future, you never know. <laughs> there, are, there are studies and science and stuff that's going on, but I don't, I don't see straight people requiring other straight people to get fertility tests before they get married. And I don't see people mm-hmm. say, well, well, you two can't have children, so you should probably get divorced and find people you can have children with, you know? Like, so same thing. Do you want my rant? <laughs> I, I would love your rant. <laughs> Take a sociology class, just the introductory sociology class, and you'll learn that there is no such thing as the traditional nuclear family. There is nothing like that. Uh, For all of life, there have been (laughs) variations on what a family unit is. And it's very frequently based off of roles that people fulfill that makes up a family. To say that being gay attacks the family demonstrates to me that you do not understand what a family is. Because to me, a family is... A role of parents or even one parent or, you know, any variation of numbers, but that loves and cares for and supports and lifts up everyone else in that unit. That is what a family is. And to say that having a gay relationship or an LGBTQ relationship or a queer relationship, any word you want to use there demeans someone else's marriage is simplistic. It is invalidating of everyone else's experience. And it's rude. It is flat out rude. I agree. I couldn't agree more. I, I want to add to that because the, the like base philosophy or principle here, it's easy to attack gay and lesbian and queer relationships because they're so starkly different, obviously, from mm-hmm. from the quote-unquote norm. There's giant air quotes there. But as soon as you start drawing lines, um, I've seen this in the, the briefings filed for the Supreme Court cases about gay marriage and conversations all over the place, right? As soon as you start drawing one line, it's 
People don't realize that when you exclude gay people because of X characteristic about their relationship, then you're excluding childless couples and you're excluding people who've been divorced or their spouse died or whatever. And then you're like, do you really want to say to everybody who doesn't have a straight dude and a straight woman married together with 2.5 children, like, are you really going to say to all of those other people, which is a huge number, I mean, tens of millions, if not a hundred millions Americans, right? We're going to tell them all your family is also fake. I, that sounds like a, uh, a bad idea. Really bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I love gay people. I just don't agree with their lifestyle. <laughs> the lifestyle, I have two pet peeves. One of them is the word journey. I hate when LGBT <laughs> people say on my journey. And I'm like, oh, bullcrap. Um, but my other one is lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. Because there is nothing inherent about being LGBT that impacts like when I get up or whether or not I go running or how many times I go dancing right. or how good of a dancer I am. Whether right? you have a job, pay your Whether bills. I have a job. Yeah, all those things. Like yeah. there's nothing... There's nothing inherent about someone's sexuality that dictates the kind of quote-unquote lifestyle they live. Like to me, Mormonism is way more of a lifestyle because it's you have specific like dietary restrictions and beliefs and practices and like you know what you're doing on Sunday. Gay people, you could you could go to church on Sunday, you could go clubbing on Sunday, you could go to brunch any day of the week, right? But so here's the thing that's frustrating about that is when people say gay lifestyle, what they mean almost 99 million percent of the time is that you're promiscuous. You're clubbing and dancing all the time. You're drinking and you're doing drugs. And all the LGBT people that I know at BYU, that is that doesn't fit them. Right. So are yeah. they not gay? Are they like right, right. to 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 say that's the gay lifestyle is to ascribe promiscuity and drug use and all those things to being gay, which is wrong and it's and it perpetuates a lot of stereotypes that are damaging and painful and i would say i have two challenges to that statement one that uh whether or not you agree with something is not relevant i'm like (laughs) i don't agree necessarily that you know any any religion that i'm not a member of right i don't agree with that religion that so and so is the true way to live your life but that's not relevant like i don't go to those people and say i don't agree with you because what does that (laughs) what does it matter but can you disagree with someone and still love them my concern is what what do they mean by love right like i have so many people who seem to use i love you as a band-aid so whatever they say or do after that is okay right and i'm like what does that mean you love me it's like i love you and i don't agree with your lifestyle and i'm like how are either of those things relevant to my life right now (laughs) like you are the girl who lives two doors down from me i don't Um, care that you love me i don't care whether you agree with like with my rainbow flag like i love you guys it's just it's not relevant I love you guys and agree with you guys. (laughs) Both. They coincide for me. I wish you could see me right now because I'm yes. like doing like an antsy, like so passionate JD dance about this. JD, you want to go? You want to rant? I want to rant. Um, <laughs> first of all, uh, you cannot love someone if you do not support them. I, mm. I don't care how many times you say, I love gay people, but I don't support the way they live their life. Can you disagree with them and still support them? Yes. Cool. Yes. <laughs> Let's go there. Yes. <laughs> How do you do that? Um, you know, that's an interesting question because <laughs> I would uh, there are ways in which I can say you should do this that across the board m- millions of people will disagree with me and say no, that's usually what happens is if I say, look, uh you may not think it's right and you may not be willing to, you know, believe that um, 
you know, they are doing what's best for them. But to kick your child out of a house uh, after they've come out to you or to mm-hmm. say, uh, if you adopt kids, we will never accept them as our grandkids. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are you cannot claim that you love your child and, and then do these things. And uh, a lot of the response that I get to this is, well, if I let them into my house, if I let them, uh, you know, do all these things, it would be me telling them that it's okay to do this. And it would be me encouraging them that this is okay. First of all, I say, look at the prodigal son. Let's just look at that one really quick. Because the father didn't say, you're welcome back into my house as long as you live the way that I want you to live. He just said, hey, welcome back. Obviously, I don't know what actually happened at the time because you, no one does. <laughs> but, Come I on. mean, from the scriptures that we have, that's what it says. So that's my first thing is, you know, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If you love them, let them into your life. Right. And the fact is, is that if a child does not feel safe coming to you or talking to you about things that make them happy, Do you love them? Mm -hmm. And if they do not feel that love, are you expressing your love correctly? Or are you using the term love, as Lyman was saying, to rectify what could easily be classified as emotional abuse? Yeah, I really, I think, like, whenever I hear anything like that, I'm always, I just want to be like, well, what do you, like, what does love mean to you? Because, mm-hmm. frankly, I have, like, literally no idea. When people say, like, I love you, but this, I'm just like, what does love mean? Like, to, to me, most of the time when it's used in, in a lot of those contexts, it's like a completely meaningless word. To me, like, in the same way that, like, faith without works is dead, faith is a, an active verb, Love is also an active verb, right? And there should be actions or mm. something. Because otherwise, it's like, I love you. Like, uh, mm. I love my chia pet. Like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. It's easy to love someone when you put conditions on their existence mm. to such a degree that you never have to be inconvenienced by them. Mm-hmm. When you can love someone but make sure that they never talk about the parts of them you don't like, that they never show the parts of them that you don't like ever in your presence, it's right. easy to love them because it requires nothing out of right. you. It's like, I love you because you're the way I programmed you. Right. It's not like, I don't love you. I love a figmented, figment, I don't know. Someone who I made up. An imaginary version of you. Yeah. Right, right, right. I wouldn't want my son to be gay because life would be so much harder for him. Same. Same. (laughs) Addison, Uh, you're agreeing with all these. I'm totally kidding. My dad (laughs) said a version of that to me when I came out. It's legitimate. Something profound somebody like said once that I heard was like, I hope that every person when they come out, if they come out as LGBTQ or same-sex attracted, that the person they're coming out to says, wow, I am so excited. You have your whole life ahead of you. And now you get to like live it in a way that's you know more honest. Or your true authentic self. Yeah. And so instead of saying, wow, your life is going to be hard. I mean, yeah, you can acknowledge that, but say – wow, I'm excited for you. Yeah, you're going to have like a lot of hard things to like to deal with, but I'm here to help overcome those because those hard things aren't, they don't come from being gay. They come from society's um, relationship to and understanding of, of being LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. One of my pet peeves with this question is because I do understand what it is based in. 
in the sense of I just don't want my child to have to deal with, as Edison was saying, you know, the societal issues that they may, might face. But one of the problems is that this very frequently is accompanied by the sentiment that by being gay, you will be constantly in a state of crisis and you cannot have a happy life. I know this is not the case when everyone says this phrase, but it's very frequently that I've found that this happens where it's a, oh, well, you're gay, therefore you will experience crisis and strife. And Mm -hmm. that bugs me because why are we excusing the crisis and strife that is already happening and saying, well, you'll just have to deal with that? (laughs) Instead, why aren't we saying... I'm afraid you'll have to deal with this, but I will be with you. Let's change it. Let's change thing. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My boyfriend isn't homophobic. He's just not comfortable around gay guys. Is this being said by a gay man? Because <laughs> 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 I've met that person. Are you serious? as well. Are you kidding me? I'm yeah. not kidding. I've... How does Internalized that homophobia is a real a thing. A real, damn, real, real, real thing. Real problem. <laughs> I'm also like, as the closest approximation to a lesbian in the room, um, <laughs> being being comfortable with lesbians often with these type of men is not not homophobic. It's just I think lesbians are very pretty baubles, and so I'm not going to be openly hostile to them as long as they Ooh. fuel my f- sexual fantasies. Yeah. Um, they do become openly hostile when we don't want to fuel their sexual fantasies, and all of a sudden. <laughs> And they're not comfortable with lesbians either. It presumes a sort of uh, predatory thing on the part of gay men. Like, it's gay men's job to sort of make your homophobic boyfriend comfortable, um, <laughs> which it's, it's, it's really not. Really quickly, it's oh. very apologetic and uh, in, in not a good way po- apologetic. It's not a, I'm so sorry that my boyfriend acts like this. It's a, you have to understand where he's coming from well, type and excusing what was the phrase again? It was just, my boyfriend isn't homophobic. He's just not comfortable around gay guys. Uh, okay, so so but also <laughs> that's literally that is the homophobia. definition of homophobia. Exactly. <laughs> a lot of people will come back and say like, I don't hate gay people. I just disagree with their lifestyle or whatever, right? And I went. It was interesting because I went and looked up the definition of homophobia, like a good Mormon preparing for a talk on Sunday. And <laughs> typically, I don't. I don't remember. I don't have like the, the definition in front of me. But typically, phobia would imply. Fear, obviously, of something, right? And aversion to blah, blah, blah. And this definition that I have read, and it talked about how homophobia encompasses all of these different aspects, right? You don't have to like be personally grossed out by the idea of two men or two women kissing to be homophobic. You can be restrictive of say, well, like, yeah, I don't, I'm not grossed out by them, but I don't think they should be able to do this, this, and this. Right. That mm-hmm. is a type of homophobia. Low-key homophobia right. versus high-key <laughs> homophobia. Right. It's just a, it's an, ex, an expanded definition because right. if I was trying to restrict the things that straight people do and I said, oh, well, you guys shouldn't be able to hold hands in public or you guys shouldn't be able to get married or you wouldn't, right? Oh, JD Go, JD. It. He's got something pulled up on his phone. I am. I couldn't remember the exact name of it. But now uh, everyone listening should look up the Riddle Homophobia Scale. Ooh. Ooh. R-I-D-D-L-E. I haven't seen this. So there are multiple levels of homophobia. <laughs> From low to high key. From low to high key. <laughs> I love this. So the, the worst level of homophobia is obviously repulsion. So this is a, I hate gay people. Um, it's a crime against nature. Uh, Gay people are sick, crazy, immoral, sinful, etc. Then it goes on. There are other things such as pity and tolerance and acceptance and support. 
and admiration and appreciation and nurturance or celebration. So, I mean, if you look back, acceptance isn't the top one. No. You can still be accepting and not nurture it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can still support things and be somewhere on this scale of homophobia. Go to the website, guys. Check your homophobia. <laughs> but really, though, but really, check yourself before you... Right, yourself. Um, and I think, I think a problem that a lot of people go through when they're sort of confronting their prejudices on anything is the fear that, oh, if I admit that I'm homophobic on any level, it makes me a terrible person. Ooh, yeah. um, and I think it's the same thing with, like, with racism, with sexism. It's like, oh, I, to be a sexist would make me a bad person, and I'm not a bad person, or my loved one's not a bad person. So sexism will now be defined as two steps ahead of whatever I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, my thing is... If you're personally uncomfortable with, you know, two people of the same gender kissing, that doesn't mean that you're a terrible person who needs to die and that you're a hateful person. What it means is that maybe this is something that's new to you and you're not and you don't understand it. Maybe this is something that is internalized because of what you've been taught about gay people or you have assumptions about them. It doesn't make you a bad person to admit that you have this prejudice. But at the same time, your discomfort doesn't entitle you to anything. Your discomfort doesn't entitle you to other people not existing or not existing in your sphere of sphere of influence. Round of applause around the gonna, table. <laughs> yeah, Round exactly. of applause. Well said. <laughs> so this one is specifically directed probably more towards Lyman. Uh, do you hate men? <laughs> oh, I just, totally hate men. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take over this question. No, I'm just kidding. But you know what I mean? Um, like the whole feminist movement of like... The far left, people thinking that just women, particularly lesbians, just hate men. Well, I'm also, it's funny because I, I get that as, as, a, as a woman who's pretty much, um, who's attracted to other women. But I also get that because I'm bi-gender, genderqueer, trans, whatever you want to you wanna place it. And so I get the, do you hate women question. Yeah. I just hate everybody, apparently. <laughs> um, Same you don't. Though. You don't yeah, hate no. Um, no, I, I, I love men. They, they make me... You just don't love love men. I, yeah, I don't. I, I like you. I just don't like like you. No, I, I think... I love um, that. Men are wonderful uh, and and great. And honestly, like men are you are are physically appealing. And I'm sure to someone you are just wonderful and their cup of tea. And they're vital. They're vital to society in their own way. Let's give them a little bit. of Yes. Men are great and wonderful. And um, and I have I have so many man friends. Two of which are in this room right (laughs) now. Two of which are in this room. But yeah, there's this this weird thing that there's like being not being sexually attracted to someone doesn't mean that you hate them. Right. Like, I'm sure that there are people. I've met many straight people. They've told me that this happens to them where they have people who are really good friends with them that they just don't want to have sex with or be married to or like date. And I feel like it's an established thing Mm -hmm. that that's not hatred. So I don't really understand where this question JD sending you his brainwaves. He's sending them. (laughs) It's mind blowing the thought Mm -hmm. that you can be friends with someone and like someone that you're not sexually attracted to. False. Uh Fascinating. (laughs) <laughs> Where do they come up with this? I don't know. <laughs> okay, next one. Gay people can't have real sex. What's real what sex? What is real sex? Ooh, please tell me. Please I tell didn't know me there here. was real sex and fake sex. Guys, oh my god. This anger can't be directed at me. I'm just relaying <laughs> these questions. We're just this is we're not throwing anger. All, this is... all our shade into the microphone. But it. I'm If you really have fake curious. sex, does that not violate the law of chastity? Oh. Okay. So, so this, this really has nothing to do with Sorry. religion. 
No. With what? This this really has nothing to do with religion. Mm. I mean, I know a lot of people outside oh. of our religion who are like, okay, that can't happen. <laughs> that can't happen. You know what I mean? I wish you could see the yeah, We need some we need some just, like emoji text to go I'm with sorry, this listeners. podcast. I feel like I can't answer this question without making some like poor Mormon people exceptionally uncomfortable. <laughs> but I, I will say I honestly feel bad for anyone in a heterosexual relationship who does not know how gay people have sex <laughs> because there are there are certain things it has to happen like I'm like I'm like honestly if, if you believe that the only facet to sex is is one form of penetration then not only is that sad for you but it also it's like I feel bad for the women in those relationships especially <laughs> yeah it just it can be exceptionally painful and uncomfortable if men don't know how to you know properly go through the motions of making sex a an enjoyable experience for women I agree well and I think what it really comes down to is there's this belief that the role of a female in sex is to satisfy mm. the mm. man and this is where a lot of these questions come from is this well there are two women, so what? <laughs> <laughs> or there are two men, so like, who doesn't get satisfied? <laughs> type yeah. thing. Who's the woman? I Who's actually, the woman? So I had uh, a friend of mine come out to me as gay, um, and he he didn't like. This is a gay guy, right? Like this this guy is gay. He recognizes that he's gay, and he was talking to me about sex, and I and he was like. Well, like, I understand that, like, bottoming, being the receptive partner, is, like, emotionally or mentally fulfilling. Mm -hmm. But he didn't realize that there was, like, physical pleasure to be derived from it as well. Which So there's just – the point is that is, like, even someone who's gay, right? Not a straight person who's, like, has no idea, like, doesn't know what gay sex is like or, like, never thought about it, right? Right. This dude didn't know because there's just a lot of – misunderstanding and confusion about human sexuality to begin with mm -hmm. and then like variations of human sexuality that that uh diverge from like mm -hmm. um heterosexual normal intercourse right yeah. normal's the well, bad word there right. typical maybe <laughs> and sex is about more than just the physical act of sex what? um and i think that's something that in in the LDS community that we that we talk about extensively, that sex is about the emotional bond between between people. And so sex isn't about the body parts involved. It's about the emotional connection that I have with with the person that I'm married to or or dating. It's about cuddling and, and handholding and all of those emotional things that go into sexuality, which I haven't personally experienced as a, you know, I live the honor code and I go to BYU, but that I know I would be satisfied with the same way that straight people know that they would be satisfied with sex with a person of, you know, the opposite sex, but not necessarily with right. a person of the same sex. What do you do if you don't want to just assume someone's gender because you don't want to get it wrong and offend them? Mm. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, a very honest question. And I'm going to be honest. Sometimes it can be difficult. Like I acknowledge that the way that my physical body looks, people assume that I'm a woman and that I'm exclusively a woman, even though that's not necessarily accurate. And that can be exhausting when it's everybody all the time. But it can be offensive to just go up to you and be yeah. like, hey, are you a girl or a boy? You know what I mean? Like yeah. you don't, you don't. <laughs> just... I get a lot of, and I prefer that honestly over people who, honestly, the thing that's the worst, probably the most volatile is people will refer to me as it. Oh. And aggressively 
not gender me as human, which is mm. which is confusing to me because I'm like, do you honestly think that your God is going to be less offended by you dehumanizing someone than by calling them the wrong gendered word right. for a human? Like, I'd much rather you just uh, pick one. But if ideally, I think something I'd love to see happen is just people going, hey, my name is Lyman and my pronouns are he, him, his and she, her, hers. It's nice to meet you. Uh, what's your name? And then that person has the opportunity to like oh, hi, I'm Jade, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. And you're like, got it. Like, which even like, then, they could still like, be non-binary. But You're not, not going to do that to, like, someone that you meet off the street. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. hey, I'm Lyman. I go by, mm-hmm. you know, he, she, or whatever. You could, though. That's the thing. You, like, you there's no laws against be... it. I think the – my super simple solution. <laughs> Just kidding. Mm-hmm. Like, one version of this question is, like, this person is concerned about misgendering somebody or not knowing how to refer to someone or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. That's a totally appropriate time to, like, asking somebody, are you a boy or girl, is, like, weird and that's kind of offensive and whatever, right? But mm-hmm. asking somebody, um, what pronouns do you prefer or what pronouns do you use is, I think, mm-hmm. a totally valid thing. If somebody is, like, trans and not out yet, then mm-hmm. they'll, I assume that they will just give you the pro- that that's just gives the person the opportunity to say whatever they feel comfortable with right instead of you mm-hmm. guessing or asking awkward questions if right, that's yeah. the intent if it's like i'm going to continue talking to this person or i'm introducing them to somebody or whatever just a two second like hey which pronouns do you uh use is mm-hmm. pretty straightforward and i think conveys more importantly the, like on all these questions is it conveys mm-hmm. uh humility and a will and an interest in understanding all right last one guys mm-hmm. bisexual Uh-oh. people don't know what they want. <laughs> do any of us know what we want? No. There you go. We're all bisexual. So I actually do identify as bisexual. So I will answer JD, this JD, you don't Good. know what you want? What's up? I man? don't know what I want in life, you know? It's not like I'm graduating soonish okay. with like a plan to but there go is, places in life There and do is things. a spectrum, though. There is mm-hmm. a spectrum. So it's at UVU. <laughs> Okay, so usually people, when they think of bisexuality, think of this, think of the Kinsey scale. Mm -hmm. And um, if you've ever taken a psychology class, you know that Alfred Kinsey is a a whack job who didn't know what he was talking about most of the time. Dang it. I thought that thing was accurate. No, the Kinsey scale is not accurate. It's about as good as a BuzzFeed quiz. Really? Oh, very true. (laughs) So if you don't know what the Kinsey scale is, it is a... Seven point scale from zero to six. So zero being totally straight, six being totally gay, and three being right down the middle bisexual. And then X as if you are asexual. People usually think about bisexuality as being like one of these like two, three, four ranges. If you are in two, three, or four, you are a bisexual. But I absolutely hate that. A lot of the times in people's minds, people who think that bisexuals are, you know, fall in this Kinsey scale often think of, okay, well, you're – you can only be so much attracted to any thing. Mm -hmm. And so 70% of your attraction goes to men and 30% goes to women. So what I actually like to describe is – there are different scales. So like uh, 0 to 10, my attraction towards men and women. So I am a 10 out of 10 for guys and a 6 or 7 out of 10 for girls. And that's physically. And then romantically, I'm 10 out of 10 for guys and like an 8 out of 10 for girls. 
And then there's a third component, which we don't ever talk about. I'm getting to the question. <laughs> My question to you, though, is if you're a 10 out of 10 for guys, you're a 10 out of 10 on every single level, but you have these lower levels for women, why even bother with women? Because uh, it's still real. It's still real. Like, I mean, <laughs> I make still... fantastic friends. Um... <laughs> I still walk across campus every day and see someone and say, oh, they're really cute. I would totally go on a date with them. I was talking with a girl the other day, and she called it her her gay quotient, <laughs> um, where she said out of, uh, she counted all of the people that she's had crushes on, and then she found the number of people that were of the same sex as her. Mm-hmm. And then, so it was same sex number over total crushes. Like, same sex crushes oh. over total crushes. And that was her... <laughs> by ratio because oh. it wasn't a you know obviously she's not attracted to every single woman and she's not attracted to every single man just as no one is attracted to every single person right. and then there's also like a mm-hmm. satisfactory component of it so even though I'm like very attracted to women a lot of the time and I'm remote romantically attracted to them mm-hmm. I'm not satisfied with a woman and um, unfortunately, a lot of people say, you just don't know what you're talking about. You're confused. Um, you're just using bisexuality as a phase because you're struggling from internalized homophobia. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. I know what I am. My other thing is that people use this. You don't know what you really want on me because I am more, air quotes, effeminate. Uh-huh. whatever that means in reality. But I mean, you know, I have a higher pitched voice. I use my hands. I have a lisp. Um, but you can still be attracted to women. Exactly. Yeah. And usually when I say, oh, I'm actually bi, people respond with, oh, honey. Please. <laughs> honey, have you seen yourself? And it's like, <laughs> yes, I have. I know. <laughs> but it's like, people who say bisexuals don't know what they want really bugs me because it is an all-around invalidation of someone's personal and lived experience. And this is just a general rule in life. If someone tells you about themselves, you're probably best to believe them. (laughs) I do not understand how difficult this is. A lot of these stereotypes really come down to, I think, a thing that heterosexual people, I don't think, realize that they're doing, but where they're centering sexuality in someone's genitals. But I don't feel like you really – I don't feel like an, a straight woman would come to me and say the main reason I'm with my husband is because he has a penis and that's the only thing that matters about him. And any other person with a penis would just – you could slot them in there and it would be fine. I think – But there is that mentality though. Well, I think that for for bisexual people and – it's, and it's sort of the same with me as JD, although for me it's like zero and then all of a sudden like Darren Chris pops up and I'm like, hello. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's – it's a thing where it's like there are different metrics of attraction and things that people find that are more important than other things. What I look for are things like sense of humor and compatibility and life mm-hmm. goals. And ultimately, what a person's gender is is not the most important thing on my list. I'm ultimately attracted to many more women mm-hmm. than I am men. But when it comes down to it, a man who has all of the qualities that I find attractive, I'm going to be attracted to him. And that doesn't mean that I'm confused. It just means that gender is one of many things on a matrix of attraction that's not important enough in my particular makeup for me to prioritize right. it. It's a shallow concept. Mm-hmm. I'm going to push back 
a little bit on something mm-hmm. oh, you said yeah. earlier with the transport someone or like switch out someone with a penis and everything will work out. Because mm-hmm. unfortunately, and take this mm-hmm. with a grain of salt, if you will, but uh, there have been talks in general conference where they say mm-hmm. yeah. any couple rooted firmly in the gospel will be able to have a successful relationship. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it comes from this mentality of if you have the right genitalia, mm-hmm. air quotes around right, yeah. um, it will work out. And and mm-hmm. it, and it that is just so frustrating to me because on so many levels it says that, you know, if it doesn't work out, it's your fault. And this is the mentality that is then used on gay people where it is, okay, uh-huh. You aren't happy with someone of a different sex than you? Mm-hmm. Well, it's your own fault because you were living unworthily when you prayed to receive revelation mm-hmm. or yeah. when... sometimes it really is just about mm-hmm. like the physical chemistry with somebody. Yeah. Is that yeah. What, yeah. Well, that's my thing is is I think it frames it entirely of women and a man are interchangeable because it's about it's only Parts. genitals. The genital is the only thing that really matters in a relationship. It's like IKEA and furniture. <laughs> I think I we mean, can all agree that it varies person by person. Yeah. Totally. Uh, totally yay. Person by person. Yay. Stereotypes, <laughs> generalizations, a lack of yeah. sympathy and willingness to listen, I think we can all agree are very damaging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shocker. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for bringing the USGA party to me. Woo. Yeah. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr. Two Facebook pages, two YouTube, Instagrams, two Instagrams. Am I forgetting any? You can send smoke signals at us, but only if they're rainbow smoke. <laughs> and remember that USGA meetings are at 7 p.m. on Thursdays at the Provo Library. Go, listen, laugh, love. This has been Behind Closed Doors. Thanks for listening. <laughs>